lens of markers that did. Today, we see some of the markers of God uh, tells us that after Jesus rose from the dead, and was teaching, and there's this mirages um, in such a way that everyone who is in Jerusalem Empire can hear the wonders of God and and resurrection community, the community of faith in Jesus marked by the Holy Spirit. It is a community where the Holy Spirit very much lives. And that's a very important component to our passage and to community life. And we see the effect. If you look at all of chapter two, leading up to our passage, we see the, the effect on Peter almost immediately. Peter who denied, even you, Jesus. Peter who had stuck his foot in his mouth on more than one occasion, all of a sudden becomes a street corner preacher and tells everyone within earshot what is happening with these people speaking all these different languages at the same time. And the crowd sees them and they, they kind of poke fun at them. They say, well, they must be drunk. And Peter's like, no, that's not what's happening. Let me tell you what's happening. And he quotes the prophet Joel. He says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. He's speaking about the reality of the Holy Spirit living in us. And this is the reality that we get to live in now. One that people, that worshipers of God look forward to for centuries. And the Holy Spirit, the work of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit is the first distinct marker of our lives and our community life. And the passage itself, when we get to these verses of 42 to 47, it reads almost like a list of qualities that is foundational to the community that follows Jesus. And while it plays out in different ways, these are the things that you'll find that we should find in the community of God, the family of God, all around the world. And first, the first thing we see we can put under the, the umbrella of worshiping together. Verse 42 lists this, it describes this in a few ways. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. You know, it speaks of the apostles' teaching. That's the message of the gospel. It's what we're doing here. Fellowship, it speaks to a robust, a a commonness in experience, both physical and spiritual reality. Being together in recognition of a shared reality. The breaking of bread, it can refer to an early version of the Lord's Supper, which we observe every month, or other meals that they had together, or both. Today we'll see it right after service. This is church that it's talking about. This speaks to a lot of what happens on Sunday morning, but even more so throughout the life of the church. And what this is telling us primarily is that we as Christians need to be together. We need to be with other Christians. We're made to be together. There are no lone wolves in God's kingdom. 
To know the resurrection life that God intends for us, we need to be in community with other, pe- with other Christians and worship together. This is why when the pandemic hit, we didn't just throw up our hands and say, well, I'll see you when it's over. We, tr- we tried to find ways to be together safely in ways that took care of each other and ways that were safe for, for our community, but also in ways that were safe for our neighbors according to, to God's command. But we, we still tried to find ways to worship together and to be together because that's how we're made to be. As we, you continue reading in the passage and we see this is, followed, this is also uh, accompanied by miracles. It says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. We see this throughout the book of Acts. Just after this, Peter heals a man who can't walk. Through the Holy Spirit, they are able to continue the miraculous work that Jesus did. This is work that that Jesus has given the church. He says in in, uh, John chapter 14, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater works. Uh, greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And him, when he's talking about going to the Father, he's talking about his ascension, presuming that, and, and the reality of the Holy Spirit being sent. The place that we live in now. This is what we're doing when we pray. This is one of the reasons we pray. Prayer is primarily relationship with God, a conversation with God, if you will. But when we present our requests to God, when we, pre- when we ask God to intervene, we are asking for God's supernatural intervention. We're asking him to do things that we cannot. We are asking him to work miracles. And without getting too much into it, I, I do believe the Holy Spirit does have different gifts for different people. And so we may see answers to prayers differently. For instance, Some may have, say, the gift of healing, and so they may see more prayers about healing answered. But generally speaking, the the church is called to seek God's supernatural intervention in all kinds of ways, whether it's praying for a sick person in front of you in the hopes that they will be healed before your eyes, or whether it's seeking God's provision in work that that we're being called to. This manifests in the church in different ways. It's why churches have built hospitals or do relief work. Often the provision for that work happens in ways well beyond those who are initially called to it. But the community of God is very much meant to seek God's supernatural intervention in the world. In verses 44 and 45, they speak to a key component that kind of holds all the activity together. And that's being marked by God's love. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. This speaks of spirit-led care and love of one another. What these verses speak to, it's not saying that they didn't own anything at all. I'm not saying you can just walk into somebody else's house. What it's speaking to is spirit-led love and care. It was sacrificial love. What it's saying is that their love went beyond kindness. As important as kindness is, don't get me wrong, I'm not writing that off. 
but it was people even, even being led to give up what they had to take care of others. This is the principle behind our benevolence fund. It's, it's money that we, it's, it's a fund we give to, money that we set aside just for people's needs. This speaks to people being uh, taken care of and treated right holistically. And it's a pretty rosy picture, but you don't have to read far into Acts to find out it, it wasn't perfect. You get to chapter six and you find that there, there are members of the community being overlooked, even across ethnic lines. And they corrected that. That's, that's, why we try, that's why we try to educate ourselves and engage in the work of justice. That's what that is. It's seeking God's holistic care for all. What he is doing in our lives and sharing that together. And when you are in relationship with people who have a common hope and a common love, it is natural to want to share what the Lord is doing. Now, again, this has been different with COVID, even as our worship services together um, together were. But again, that's why we adapted. That's why we did things online. That's why we had things in the, the drive. It's why we still have our fellowship time in the drive when the weather's good. And it's been more difficult in this last year, but perhaps it's been that much more necessary because people have been connection starved. And if there's anything, well, there's a lot of things this last year has taught us. And one of them has certainly been just how much we miss each other. And so perhaps, you know, as community grows, well, growth is good, growth is important, but this is not about the importance of numbers. There are a couple of key takeaways from this verse in particular. First, it is God who is increasing the numbers. It is God who is bringing the blessing. Whatever fruit the community of God bears, that is the work of God. And to God should be the glory. But the community is living, another thing we need to note is the community is living the way it is intended in the pursuit, in the common pursuit of knowing and serving the living God. By following the Lord Jesus Christ, people are experiencing God's power through prayers and through each other. People are loved and cared for. They don't just have their physical needs met. They are in life-giving relationship with one another, even as they embark on a mission together with eternal purpose. This is a wonderful and beautiful thing to invite people into. And indeed, that's something we're called to. We're called to make disciples and bring people into the kingdom, as we, we've talked about before. It's even in our mission statement, inviting others to join us and following Jesus. But that work is a lot easier. That work is a lot more fruitful when we live the way that God has called us to. When we live these things out. Because this, the picture we see here, this is what we are inviting people into. At the, uh, um, yesterday we had the, the, the annual meeting for our, our conference 
And uh, our superintendent, Danny Martinez, shared something that uh, struck me. He was saying that meaningful conversation God wants for us connected to family. We need to be connected to and uses us and uses others to care for us. And here we're able to be known and